Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Lead DevRel podcast, where we bring you weekly news and trends on the DevRel space. I'm Sabrina, and I'm here today with four amazing DevRels. Hello, everyone. Why don't we start a little introductions? Um, you call to yeah. yourself as one of the amazing <laughs> DevRels there. Yes. The four amazing <laughs> DevRels. Yes. I'm amazing. I'm amazing DevRel. Let's go. <laughs> Tell um, myself. I, first of all, I am a developer <laughs> advocate for myself. I think all of us can say we are name and then we are DevRels at lead DevRel. <laughs> we have no other hobbies. It's just, it's just this. <laughs> this is all we do. That's it. We're, we're uh, DevRels. Okay. Uh, absolutely. This is perfect intro, by the way. We can get... <laughs> hey guys, I'm Bia. I'm also a DevRel. I've been working as a community manager for the past... Five years. Did you, you just ruined it. Pause. Okay. Just say or be a lead that route. Really? That lead that route. Okay. <laughs> what are we talking about today? I, yeah. I think that who was it that said earlier when should a company hire a DevRel? I think that's a good question to maybe go over. Okay. All right. Let's start today with um, when. Should a company actually hire DevRel team or their first DevRel? Now we can get started with considering, okay, which types of products actually need a DevRel? Well, we definitely can name developer tooling company tools like set of APIs, SDKs, uh, protocols, layers. When talking about Web3, that do have developer tool set for developers to start building on top of. Absolutely. Um, if your company is uh, B2D, which is developer first, a uh, product that the end user and the end buyer would be developers, then you definitely need DevRel team almost up front. It's so important. And then if you're a B2B company, but you're selling a SaaS product or PaaS, whatever, but the end user will be a developer, then you also need a DevRel team with a kind of different focus. Um, but obviously, you know, it all depends on your final goals and objectives. But at the end, if you have a product that developers will use, you should probably start thinking about a DevRel team soon. But if you have a product that the end user is actually just developers, just straight away start thinking about it. How about companies who do large-scale events but don't necessarily have products that developers can use? What kind of events, though? So, for example, uh, where the World Congress, it's one of the largest dev events, and I know they hire DevRels to advertise and promote the events and also handle the events from speakers to the locations, mm -hmm. etc. Is that also something that counts? Or is a company only in need of DevRels if they have a dev tool, like you said? Well, I think you can think about it like the event is sort of a, a tool, right? In this case, I think you can yeah. uh, play around with it a little bit, but at the end, you're trying to sell obviously on, on quotes, your events to developers. So you need to make it appealing to developers. You need to bring awareness to it and do a lot of activities that comes around with DevRel as well. 
So yeah, yeah. No, that, that makes sense. Yeah, because the talks and the topics are mostly developer related. Yeah, okay. No, I was just thinking about it because there's a lot of companies who are doing virtual events as well. And I've seen ads for jobs that they are looking for either uh, sales managers or devrels. And there's a lot of confusion. I think that a lot of people think us devrels are just salespeople or marketeers, even though that's <laughs> one of our skills that we necessarily do need. It's not, yeah. it's not the only thing that we do that's another interesting topic by the way like yep. at the end i do think that was a little bit of sales and back then i would yeah. really go deep into no it is not sales and i i hate sales but you know after a while you realize that if you are at a startup or at a company, whatever, you kind of are already a salesperson for that company anyway. And your end objective, your end goal is to sell. So you're a type of salesperson, but your, let's say, methods to get the sale are quite different. What do you guys think about this one? I think we're all sales. <laughs> Our job I, is I agree. Thing. Like every, everyone is a sale, is in sales. DevRel as being the, the face of the company and the front-facing role for a particular company, liking or not, when producing educational content, video, social posts, whatever it is, you're advocating, so you're selling the technology that you are promoting for a particular company, right? You may not necessarily be positioned in a sales team and doing sales yourself and actually selling different technologies and so on, but liking or not, you're doing some kind of sales by advocating for the company you're working for. So even if it is like a, let's say, indirect type of sale, but actually showing and not just selling and trying to get people to buy and purchase some type of technology, you're still doing what you're doing as a dev realm. Uh, I think I have a follow-up question for that since... Sales is a form of communication. Do you think it's important for devrels to learn how to communicate properly, whether it's about the events, the product, or the company itself? That's a great question. I would say yes. And like we spoke about in many of our Twitter spaces, by the way, if you guys haven't heard, we host Twitter spaces every Wednesday. So you can tune in and enjoy the conversation, ask us questions. Cool and have an exchange of insights and learnings together with us. But in one of the past spaces that we held and hosted, uh, we did talk about soft skills. So you actually advocated quite a lot in terms of soft skills, how to communicate, how to connect, and how to bond and network with different developers and DevRels in our space. So yes, I believe that being good and communicating, actually conveying different types of terms, concepts, and even what you do in a day-to-day -day basis to people who are trying to learn more about either technology or about yourself is 100% or 110% needed for a DevRel, yeah. for sure. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. communication no. DevRel, basically, um, they, they walk hand in hand, for sure. Yeah. And it's... we we always... I get into kind of an issue there because yeah, you need to be a great communicator, especially if you're a salesperson, especially like salespeople are the best communicators that are in the company. But the problem here in DevRel is developers don't want to be sold to. So if you are a salesperson at the end of the day, 
and you're trying to to sell to a person who doesn't like that sales um, type of strategy, traditional sales type of strategy, how do you actually perform your uh, undercover job, which is sales? What is how how you go about that? I think that's where it's important again to learn how to communicate to a certain audience. If it's not hard sales, you will be advocating for the product that you're trying to sell in this case, or the events or whatever through other means, whether it's posting memes about it, for example, just a very loose one, maybe hosting uh, Twitter spaces is a good one, having blog posts, doing generally content about the product or the company or the event in a way that advocates for it without sounding too salesy and also promotes it in a way that comes off natural stating the benefits, for example, uh, the people you would meet at the event, or maybe how the, how the, how a certain dev tool would increase your productivity by tenfold, whatever it is, you need to state the benefits and why developers you think should be using this product or getting this product because people know when you're trying to sell something and that's completely, I think in my opinion, it's completely fine to be sold to and without sales, the world would not be running, right? Uh, companies do need to make money to make yeah. even greater products, hire people and improve their uh, line of services. And I think that's where content creation is a great form of yeah. communication, especially for DevRels. And it's not an easy one because you have to be able to write, you have to be able to create video content, you have to be able to yes. make podcasts and all of these, these things are different skills. But if you combine them all in one, it's in the end, again, sales, which is, yeah. I think has a bad connotation to it, just like networking for some reason. <laughs> we don't like to talk about this word here among DevRels. No. Um, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Sabrina. I just yeah. have a question like for you guys. Which companies do you think that connects with developers well when it comes to this? I can open um, up my 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 X. We can just go through <laughs> yeah, just go yeah. through X or Twitter. There's, there's a bunch, there's, there's really a bunch. Uh, me personally, I like, uh, the Google's Twitter, uh, X or Twitter page and Versal's also, uh, Google is really loose. Yeah. yeah. Google is also really loose in their responses and the way they, uh, tweet sometimes, but there's a bunch of them. Obviously it's, it's just hard to go through a whole list now, Google, but Versal, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I right. love it. I'll definitely share my screen here. Like and share like, uh one or two yeah, that yeah, I yeah, particularly like. And I think first one, definitely Superbase. So Superbase connects with developers in a very, very light weight and manner. So you can see like how some of the meetups that they organize for the community, even why they are organizing these meetups for their community. Uh, you can see partnerships and co-marketing opportunities from Superbase and Pan. Uh, why they're doing what they're doing for a launch week and how are they making this a fun and cool experience. Some really great memes for sure. So I believe that in my opinion, Superbase is one of the, the companies that do this very, very well. Do you guys have any other favorites, Danny, Sabrina? I, I love Vercel. I'll take this yep. one. Um, and, and that's mostly because if, if you think about Vercel, they actually got understood the idea of DevRel really well, which is, let me just take away all problems that you have and make you do very complex stuff in just a few clicks. 
And now we are all Vercel hackers because basically uh, it's so easy for you to get started and deploy anything there. And, you know, you NextJS think... is actually... Yeah, coming coming from Vercel, Vercel not only has a great connection with the community, even for the developer advocates and DevRels that they hire, but they also have a very cool branding and presence overall on socials yep. and with their logo. Like the, the triangle logo is quite iconic. Like you see that. And even from the billboards that they, they released in San Francisco, you could see like, oh, you knew it was from them. So do you think that the branding from a, a company like that also plays a role into it? And if so, are there under any other companies and brands that you guys are like, okay, this is really cool. This is iconic. And I love the branding of the, this platform. So in my personal perspective, coming from the Web3 space, one of the most iconic brands and developer experiences has been Lens Protocol. That's like 300%. Yeah, like pretty uh, iconic. 10 steps ahead of any other brands in the space. And they have like a great developer experience, connection with the yeah. community, a good set of swag, the emails, yeah. everything's very young. So people like us are like, holy shit, this is a really fun branding. I love this company. I want to learn more about the community and I want to contribute to it. So that's kind of like the vibe that I felt from Lens Protocol. What about from you guys? Are there any other brands in the space that convey this? I I do totally agree. Like branding can totally change the perspective of when people first meet you. I do think though, um, for you to have a great branding, you need to first have a great product. You cannot wrap a bad product into a great branding. It won't look nice. So basically, you want to create that, um, I think, um, excitement for like, hey, this thing that these people are building looks really nice. And when you go and try it, it actually lives up to the branding. You know, it's kind of like... Um, you don't want to sell something that when people get there, they will be disappointed. And then you will just lose a customer because your branding is too good and they couldn't resist trying out your product. So I love branding, but I do think like before you think about branding, make sure that you have an impeccable developer experience, just like Lens Protocol and just like Purcell as well. That goes like so hand to hand with each other, like. If you have a great developer experience, a good set of documentation, uh, people are able to understand your product like super fast and start building, integrating or playing around simple applications around your product. If you have like yeah. a, a very strong branding and a brand that's like, holy shit, this is not actually not only a good product, but actually a great experience, even for me thinking of a community or what I'm contributing to, you are like, yeah much for much more uh, developed in terms of attracting new people to your community and getting developers to actually want and feel attracted to your brand and your technology, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I do think like this all aligns very well with the topic we were talking about earlier, which is sales. And how do DevRels perform sales if devs don't want to be sold to? And we can think about four major ways which we actually are doing this. Um, you can say like content creation is a great way, like Danny said, but this all comes down to like bringing awareness to your product, um, 
So how do you do that? How do you go about making sure that developers actually find your product? That's kind of sales, but it's a way different approach that you actually take it as a DevRel. Like we were saying, it can be the branding, it can be the community, it can be like um, the content that you're putting out that is really attractive to the developers. Then you're thinking about developer education, which is also partly content, but making sure that those devs have what they need to actually succeed with your product and making sure they have all education necessary. It can be documentation, it can be video tutorials and all that, which is also a part of like creating a, a good community around your products. In the future, having people from your community to do those uh, tutorials and do those um, <clears throat> Uh, videos and content around uh, education so you don't have to. Um, another thing is developer um, uh, market experience, of course. Uh, developer experience is so important there because you don't want to attract too many people to your website. You don't want to, believe me, and have an awful experience to all of them. Because if developers go to your website, they think, hey, they have amazing resources. They have amazing awareness. I love their branding. Yeah, let me try this product. And they go and the experience is awful. They cannot actually build anything. Maybe they wasted two, three, four days and didn't got off the, off the ground with your product. Then this is an awful experience for them. They won't recommend you to anybody. They won't ever try your product again. So make sure that Behind everything, you have a great experience and make sure that you are working on that experience before attracting new people to your product. I love this this line of thought to DevRel and sales and, and how it all connects to, in a very different way. But at the end, is also a type of sales, but I would say quite a complex type of sales. Yeah, for sure. I think it's very delicate. Yeah. And one thing breaks a developer experience. I mean, could you guys talk more about how can we make it or break it? Make it or break it. That's that's very nice. You can break it for sure. Having developers have to click 150 times throughout your website to actually get anything done with your product. Like this is how you break it. And this is so this is so common. You have no idea. Basically, hey, how do I build this? Then you have to go to documentation. Then you have to go to a specific page of the documentation. Then you have to read around a lot of times. Then you have to go to resources, the use cases. Then actually, how do I apply this? And then you click, oh, Jesus, it's such a mess. And this is definitely not what you want the experience to be. Another type where you can screw it up, like, okay, so my first uh, experience is very good. Like, getting started is really good for my product. But, and after that. Can a developer actually go past the, the hello world with your product? Can they actually go past the getting started and actually build something with it? That's actually can be an MVP. So they can actually show their superiors like, hey, this works very well for this MVP. We need this product here. Can they actually get that MVP done? And do you have the documentation necessary to get them to that point before... Um, sorry, after the, the actual first basic stuff with the product. So make sure that you have um, good entry-level documentation, a good mid-level documentation. And after that, you know, um, you can have support teams or um, enterprise-focused um, personnel in your company to actually deal more personally with their needs. 
but to be able to have them by themselves build something great um, with their own and with the resources you put out, I think this is essential. So fun fact here, I don't know how much we want to screen share and actually share examples of good and bad experiences. I'll say no for now, but maybe next week we'll, we'll bring a set of those. Uh, could be fun, could be fun, especially for yeah. good ones and for terrible ones. But <laughs> for this week and something that I wanted to point out, Sabrina and I, I think, was it yesterday or Friday? I'm not sure, but we went through a Web3 Protocols website and we were analyzing how good or bad the developer experience was. So first of all, when going to a landing page or a website, the main domain of a brand, if you don't understand what they're doing or what the value proposition is, why would you even go Big further? Right? Like, why, why would you even go further into it if it doesn't get you, like, in the first five seconds? So for this particular company, the landing page was, um, what was that? Like, a careers and who's part of the team, something like that, right? Yeah, it, it had actually, um, I think, a Twitter right there mm -hmm. in the middle like it was like um uh career twitter and uh it about had that, actually like nothing that. yeah it had actually, actually not nothing about, about the product exactly so we were like hey uh we were giving this feedback to the company as we were connected with them directly and uh, they didn't educate the developers didn't say what was going on what people could build with it what were the use cases what are some like coding snippets that people could use. Uh, so this time to actually get to your first hello world with the technology was also almost like impossible to have if you were just browsing their landing page because you didn't even get to know that they had this type yeah. of uh, technology for developers to build with. So they had, a, I believe, an SDK, right? Or something like that uh, for people to build secure applications in the blockchain. So. Yeah. There was no documentation or information about that, and we were quite lost around it. And now coming to the the education and the, the blog posts, and even the documentation itself, like they had a lot of images, like start playing with it. No code, no sample apps for you to actually start playing with something. So you have to figure out how to build something to start playing with it. And then yeah. they didn't have any case studies, anything that um was actually informing us what we could actually do so that's a a, a big point that i wanted to add here as a, yeah. an actual example that, that we got to to <clears throat> dive into and provide the company feedback about that's a great example of what you don't want to do right because if you if you actually want people to use your product your products for developers you want them to use a developer needs to be absolutely crazy about your technology to just go to your website, try to figure it out, like anything at all to get it up and running, and then go and look for someone somewhere else for resources to start using your product because they couldn't find it in their actual website. They have to go like to Google or to ChatGPT or to maybe their competitor's website to actually figure it out. And this is not what you want. For sure, you want people to be able to find everything that they need uh, within your website. So absolutely, um, I think just make sure your documentation works. For that case, is really um, 
quite messy, but we can see like this is not a isolated example. This is um, very common if you don't actually think much about developer experience or are too busy like, hey, I'm, I'm doing like this technical documentation or I'm, I'm too busy with my DevRel team doing um, live events or anything like that. And you forget the most basic stuff ever, which is making sure that people can actually use your product. So always, always that comes first, at least from my perspective as a developer myself. Um, I would not use a product that does not actually tell me what I can do with it. Another point that is interesting to highlight here from Danny mentioning content and education and so on. How do you guys see like this company is going heavy in tech jargons and complicated words and we are revolutionizing this and that like. As a developer, how do you even see that? Like, uh, how do you perceive it? When they say they're going to change the world type of stuff. That's, they're going to yeah. rebuild a new Earth. Earth yeah, 2.0 yeah, 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 yeah. so good. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Facebook for, for Uber deliveries who deliver to dogs, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we're, as since we are also developers, so to speak, and we work in tech, it's easy for us to catch those things. I think when companies talk, I had a few conversations with a few CEOs about this when I was at the We Are Developers World Congress, and we were having a discussion about using company and corporate jargon, so to speak. And one of the guys made a good point. He told me like, look, companies sometimes have to do this, not for the developers or the customers. This is really investor talk, he said. This is just really to get... If you are looking for the next round of funding or you are looking for those people who have money, so to, so to speak, but they're not necessarily versed in the tech world, but they hear you change all these things and you're going to build the next blockchain for Firebase, whatever, right? Uh, they're interested. Oh, the next big thing, have my money. Uh, it's not really for developers as much. When it is said for developers, I think it's a little bit it's interesting, depending on the use of language, because we are really quick at discerning what's fake, what's corporate language, what's uh, jargon, so to speak. I personally don't like it. I like when companies keep it down to earth, so to speak. When necessity strikes, there is obvious use for it, uh, technical talks, for example. But if it's just a landing page and there is a explanation about the product and they're mentioning how this is going to, you know, dis disrupt the tech industry, I'm like, okay. Let's, let's see what you have. And then we go into the whole thing that you and Sabrina just talked about, not being able to build a simple hello world with the product, so to speak. And then it's like, oh, wow. Maybe you start with this and then think about changing the world. Yeah. <laughs> so it depends. I love this so much. It just came to me an analogy of um, a person uh, avoiding coming to that that super fancy store, very shiny, very like there's like three people at the door waiting for you to get in, just, just ready to give you all a lot of like very fancy information about everything inside, and you're just so scared to get in. I think this is how developers feel about corporate language when it comes to to products. It's like, hey, if I go in there, those guys will charge me thirty thousand dollars. I'm just not getting near that. No, yeah, that's totally true. Uh, another, another thing that I mentioned was to one of the people is you can compare it to Apple events. Whenever Apple releases a new iPhone, they're like 50,000 million trillion transistors. No one cares. 
every customer that walks in, because I worked at an Apple store, they walk in, they don't go, I want a new iPhone with those 50 billion transistors because that will help me launch Facebook faster. They just come in, they want the latest product that's going to take nice pictures. That's it. That's a, that's yeah. a very good comparison. That, only that tech is people so care true. About. That's a great comparison. Like, uh, yeah. Because only tech Apple people gets. care about those things. Yeah, literally only tech people care. No, like my sister, my mother, my brother, they, they have no clue. They don't care. They just so want I a, think it's, a phone it's, that works, takes good yeah. pictures. Take pictures, make fun videos. And yeah, sure, you can, you can, you can make the arguments where the, we are advertising to developers, so we need to be a little bit more technical. But I think at the end of the day, when the company launches a product or advertises it, the more simple the language they keep, the better it is for everyone. Because sometimes, non, uh, not non-developers, but upcoming developers will watch it. And if it's too complicated, they will lose all hope and they will give up, right? But you also want to be able to have that next generation of developers who are still learning, be able to look forward to using your products. I think that's very important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if I switching gears here and you now even thinking about like all this Companies are going to corporate and sounding boring because they have a marketing team that is specialized in marketing for D2C companies or B2C companies and not necessarily dev tooling companies. When should those companies actually start thinking about hiring a dev rel, right? Like uh, I know we spoke about dev rels in a particular team, how to develop a better developer experience and build a better developer experience, sorry, and so on. But when should those companies actually start preparing to have a DevRel as part of their team? Is it early on or should be in a particular stage where they're actually looking to scale and attract more developers? Because I think early on should be the goal, right? If you're building something for developers, you need feedback early on. But what are you guys' perspective on this? I think Sabrina is ready to unleash her ready opinion. To unleash. I'll, I'll, I'll wait for you. I was thinking actually. Uh, ChatGPT, very... by the way, sorry, ruined my way of thinking. Like all I all I say now is like, unleash unlimited <laughs> potential synergy. Damn it, synergy. Oh, yeah. there's those are great ones. Actually, I'm starting to talk like AI as well. This yeah. is very worrying. You won't be able to tell anymore. Uh... That's how you know, like AI is dominating the world and dominating your brain. <laughs> It's so bad because exactly. even when scheduling tweets, I was, I think one of the tweets I scheduled for us was, how, how does a DevRel unleash their full potential? Oh my Lord, that's literally ChatGPT. That's <laughs> so I had to rephrase it to make it more simple in human terms. It's crazy. Sorry, Sabrina, go ahead. Just what a small Wait, wait, wait. I, Dude, I, even I, thinking from my, my content writing, I never used... Unleash is great. What do you say? I never I, used Unleash before I got to, to see ChatGPT. I was going to say that. You never hear Unleash ever. Ever. ChatGPT just brought it out of nowhere. Like, you guys yeah. are going to use this word now. Yep. And <laughs> now it's Unleash, Unleash your unlimited potential everywhere. This is how we talk now. <laughs> unleash oh, your my brain. Lord. Anyway, yeah. back to this um, subject. Okay, when should okay. companies so, start thinking about hiring a DevRel or yeah. a DevRel team? If you're B2B, like your main focus is other companies, probably you're hiring for, hi not hiring, but selling to um, 
C-levels, uh, tech leads, and you want those people attention. Um, not exactly just the end users, which will be developers, but you, you're trying to get that higher ups attention. And to get there, um, there are a few strategies that you need to keep in mind before actually just going deep into um, DevRel. I'd say you still need good documentation. Obviously, you still need those people to understand what your product does. But if you're a startup, you need to have a repeatable sales model, which is are those higher ups actually interested in the product? Am I actually being able to close sales with those people? Um, do I have a product that they are being able to use after they actually buy it? So um, usually the way it goes is like, hey, I, I do have this product. I was able to sell it to a CTO, for example. And I was able to get my engineering team to actually, you know, integrate it into their workflow environment. And they are loving it. They are, don't have any problem with it. Or um, the problems that they have were, were able to quickly solve it. That's great. Just continue your repeatable um, model. Obviously, it won't scale too much because you are going to have to have your own engineering team doing things at times. But this is good for a startup because... Um, you're actually being able to showcase like, hey, people need this. People actually want this. This is good. So I'd say focus a little bit more on sales if you're B2B first, like very early and make sure that people want it. People are using it. This is good. And then you can actually think, okay, how do I make this repeatable and scalable? Then you start thinking about DevRel and you start thinking about bringing uh, awareness um, at a, I think uh, if you're thinking long-term because you want those developers to actually go to the higher-ups and say, hey, I want this technology long-term. You want this. So you start bring, creating awareness to your product because of that. And second of that, create resources so that your engineering team doesn't have to go and set everything up for the company after they are actually, um, once they buy the product and they actually can handle themselves. So make sure that um, those th two things are one of the most important, two, two of the most important, I'd say. And, um, you know, after that, just trying to see what the company goals are and it's very adaptable from there. Danny, do you want to add anything? No, I think uh, what I wanted to say is, and I've seen this in, because I worked with two startups and one of them was a Web3 in the Web3 space and the other one was a developer outsourcing company. And they had their own internal tool that they sell to, to so tech companies that can use that tool to hire developers, basically. So it eases and integrates into their um, HR slash recruiting systems, right? The In both of those, one is, so one is more B2B, I would say, and the other one was B2C, right? The Web3 one. I think I felt the impact there more because at the beginning, you're building the community, you're creating the content, uh, you're reaching out to fellow developers or devrels, so to speak. And that growth did accelerate the project as well. And then later on, they launched uh, a service, which really greatly helped. It wasn't as if, it wasn't like there was a million users in a couple of months because I only worked there for six because the project lasted for eight months. But in those six months, uh, the Discord grew to, I think, almost 10K. Their Twitter account grew as well, the newsletter. So, And then after that, after I left, because I had to move countries, 
they hired more developers and now the company is growing even more, right? But on the other hand, the company that's, it's, it's technically my friend's company from Belgium. They are building this tool that helps companies hire people. I wasn't really needed there because all I had to do is do calls. I, I would email or call companies. Hey, we have this tool. I see you're hiring developers. Would you like to use this tool? That's it. I asked them, do you want me to create content? Do you want me to like be online, like have a presence, have a community? Cause this is still about developers, right? No was the response to it. And yeah, they're, they're doing fine. They're doing well, but I think you don't necessarily need a DevRel at the beginning, if you're not focused on either the dev tools or building a community around the tool itself, because as we, as I said, a, a internal tool that helps companies hire developers is such a specific thing that before even they approached me, I, I told them, you don't really need me for this. All you need is maybe a newsletter, a simple website, and just approach people, start posting on LinkedIn. And that worked for them. Great. Whereas for the web three space, it was more about the people around web three, the developers, that's where I was needed. So at, in that, in that sense, you need to develop at the beginning, because I think like Sabrina mentioned, you need to be able to iterate on the feedback as well, or maybe it was Danny. You need to be able to iterate on the, uh, on the feedback. You need to be able to improve the content, the product, etc. Right. And for that. In that sense, yes, the devil at the beginning would be a great asset in the company. Yeah, I mean, if you want to grow faster, um, a devil would absolutely help you in this because they can gather the feedback and then can um, bring it back to the developer team and they can solve it quickly. So, I mean, it's, it's more pros than cons of hiring a devil at at the start of the, at the beginning. So. Uh, I have a, like a different question for you guys uh, about interviews. Like when interviewing for roles on as a dev role, what is the best way to prepare for a dev role interview? How do you guys prepare if you would? I don't prepare. I you try know, to break. So true. <laughs> I don't prepare. Danny knows. I just I just go in. I just go he in. Just and rolls then in. Like, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> it works so far. Look, no, I, I think if to to be serious though, I do pre I do obviously prepare. Um, for me, what always worked is bringing personality and making sure that the company knows they're hiring someone who has personality, so to speak, who is outspoken in a good way, um, charismatic, can communicate, and all that. Because when you're looking for a devrel, usually it's it's you need to be able to engage with the community, which are humans in the end, right? I'm speaking besides all the technical points, obviously, but it's always nice to do some research about the company, their internal tools, their projects, uh, maybe talk to some people who work there already, see what the vibe is, see what the team is like, see what projects they work on, have worked on, and also understand the business side of things. Because in the end, when company a company hires you, they want you to improve their business, right? It's about the income, about building more. So if you can bring some business sense to the interview as a DevRel, that's also a great asset for you. And another thing obviously is already having some sort of content that you have worked on or that you have created that you can showcase online. And other than that, it's really just personality. It, I think one of, one, one of the things that I've inter one of the companies I've interviewed with in Belgium, they hired me literally. When I walked out of the building, it was not, not a tech company. Uh, it was like, it's a competitor for Amazon. 
I asked them, why did you hire me so quick? And they said, from all the people we've spoken to, you were the one that we felt we could go grab a beer after work. So that told me from that, I never forget that. I like literally never forgot that. And now I take that mentality to all interviews. I make sure that I'm likable. You don't have to fake it, obviously. But if you're likable and the people who interview you like you, there's a higher chance of you, of you getting hired on versus the guy who, or the girl who are much more versed in the technical aspect of things, but they're boring or they're not likable. Or maybe you're like, oh, do I have to work with this person? Because tech skills can be thought everywhere. Personality and being a great team member is a little bit harder. Soft skills, basically. So yeah, I would focus on those. I yeah. love not that. Not everybody has your charm. Danny. No, not everybody's as handsome as until you as make boy. it. Dude, together with that, thinking of like companies I connected previously with and, and DevRels that I talked to with as well. Like I've been trying to make friends with a lot of DevRels and ask about their process and how was their journey and so on. Besides trying to be likable and showcase my personality, it goes like both ways. First, the company needs to like you and you also need to talk to who you're connecting with because otherwise yep. it doesn't make sense and you're just wasting energy, right? So together with that, have a good, good strong introduction about yourself, about your career, your journey, any accomplishment that, that, you, that you were able to deliver to different companies and different roles that you worked with and worked on in the past. It's definitely very, very valuable. Having a strong portfolio with samples of all of your work as a DevRel, as a creator, as a community manager, and so on, is very important together with all the skills that you're most proficient in, all the languages that you speak, any other accomplishments that you had in those companies is very, very important. So having those two and being very prepared to talk about the results that you are able to deliver, how you structure those results and how you establish the process or strategy to actually get somewhere from the results instead of just giving a shot to the air and expecting it to work is very important. And actually having those soft skills under your belt for you, for you to be able to connect with the company, your teammates, and more specifically with the community that you're going to be uh, leading and actually growing, nurturing over time. I love it. I completely agree with you guys. And you, you need to keep in mind that in the interview, uh, the interviewer only wants to know really two things is, first of all, well, um, can I trust this person to do the work? And the second one is, would I like to work with this person? So a uh, big one there, be a nice person, be a good teammate, be someone that they can, you know, enjoy having a conversation with. And then try to showcase that you know what you're doing. It can be through previous content, previous blog posts. It can be through analyzing their um, website, their documentation, trying to bring up solutions to their problems, trying to point like, hey, um, I, I see that maybe this area is causing you trouble in your business right now because uh, this is not optimized yet. And try to show what you already know from past experiences. I was going to make a, a joke like I try to break their website. I try to break their um, SDK, API, whatever, and see, uh, hey, where do, where do things go wrong here? Where can actually um, those things not be helpful for developers or can be causing trouble for the business and I try to communicate that with them as well as community the community aspect what could they be doing better could they be doing something more should they be doing something less um, you know try to communicate what you think from your experience like hey I, I don't think 
what you're doing right now is completely the way I would do things because I think you can have more results doing this and this and this. And, you know, just thinking, having in mind what you want to do is so important because I always get asked this in interviews, basically, hey, what you want to do in that role? Because it's such a large area and you can work in multiple different things in the company. And, and people ask, hey, if I hire you today and drop you inside the company, what's the first thing that you're going to do? What, what are the things that you want to work on for the next six months or whatever? So having that in mind, having um, you know, the idea of, hey, I, I'd like to do this for this company. I really think those, this would be, bring results. So important for interviews. And everything that Danny and Danny just said. Yeah, awesome. I saw a Francesco video in the past few weeks saying like, don't send your, if you're going to a Debra interview, like don't send your CV, like show your portfolio. And this is the best thing you can do, like show your work. So this is something like if you, if you want to get a job in Debra, you should definitely think about it. All good points, all good points. I think what Sabrina also mentioned and the rest of you of uh, making sure that you, if they ask you, that you are able to say what you would work on, what you would improve, what type of content you would create, etc. right? I think one of the companies I approached, I told them, look, you guys have no Discord. There is no Twitter community. Let me work on that. And I was like hired on the spot, for example. So it really depends on what type of company you're interviewing at, what they need, what their specific needs are, and how you are as a person. I mean, this could be a whole podcast. And I think that's what we I can love do this idea. We should do a whole podcast time. on this. Yeah, yeah, let's just let's just we can talk next time or the time after that about interviewing, how to prepare for an interview, what type of interviews you can do and how to inter- prepare for an interview as a devrel. I think for today we had great discussion. We had great topics and thank you everyone for showing up. This is my first time here, but you know, uh, more of me soon. Yay. Not to, not uh, before I forget, we need to mention our Twitter spaces, which are amazing and you should absolutely listen and join them as well. It's uh, lead devrel also on X slash Twitter, which makes it easy. Also visit leaddevrel.com where this and then other juicy notes and PDFs and everything that will help you, all things DevRel will be at your service. If you subscribe to the newsletter, which we are also bringing out weekly, that will also help you a lot in your journey. Other than that, I think this has been a great podcast and we know now what we can talk about next week. So we'll see you in the next one. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Thank you all for tuning in and we would love to hear your feedback as well. And what, what was your favorite part of today's episode and what you want us to talk about for the upcoming episodes as well. Thank you for joining. Thank if you your feedback was this podcast wasn't great and I don't want your feedback. Thank <laughs> you very much. Hear it. <laughs> we don't want to hear it. I don't want to cry. Leave me alone. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining today. See you next episode. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ciao.